welcome to everyone tonight, any guests that we have tonight. We are glad to have you in service with us tonight. Thank you for being here. If you're watching us online, wherever you're watching us from, we welcome you part of this service tonight as well. I encourage you to continue to keep, I know some of you are signed up for prayer for them, but continue to keep Bishop and Mother Wright in your prayers. They are in Singapore uh, ministering there. We'll be returning uh, next week, so pray the Lord's hand upon them and uh, all of that good stuff. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 22, verse number 4, continuing tonight as we have done the last couple of Thursday nights that I've been here and covering throughout the Gospels where Jesus gave the instruction to take heed. We have spent the first night, take heed. He said that you don't do your alms before men. Last week we talked about the leaven of the Pharisees and a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so we will continue on here tonight. Matthew 22, or excuse me, 24 and verse number 4. And this one tonight, actually in three of the four Gospels, you will find it recorded. Um, So Matthew being the first, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Mark 13, verse 5, Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Then Luke chapter 21 says, And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And the time draweth near, go ye not, Therefore, after them. Father, I thank you again for your presence in this place tonight, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together to worship you, to join together with people of like precious faith. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts tonight, Lord. Let your word minister to us, God. Give us ears to hear what you would desire to say to us tonight. I pray, God, that you would help our hearts to be good ground for the seed of your word, that your word might be able to produce in our lives what you desire. Let us be profited by your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Just by way of introduction, can I, can I just tell you that there really should not be very many surprises to us. There are so many things that we have faced and that we are facing that somewhere throughout Scripture... It was pretty clearly told us this was going to happen. 
beware of this, expect that, look for this. They're, they're really, in fact, I, I don't really know of anything going on in our world today that really should be a surprise to us. That some things, maybe it's a little more broadly stated, but in some way it, it was communicated, this is going to happen. I, I said it last year as we were entering or we were winding up the political uh, season preparing to vote for a president. I, I, I don't know if you think just because I'm the pastor that I, I don't have normal, regular human feelings and desires, um, but I will promise you I do. And my flesh, everything in my flesh desires that, that God would make this world at peace, that uh, my flesh wishes we could go back to, I, I know there's some things, there actually are some things in 2017 that are better than they used to be. Uh, there are some things. Uh, technology is one, and I know some of you don't care much about technology, but we got a few gadget junkies in here that we enjoy it. But there, there are a lot of things that from a natural perspective, they're worse than what they used to be. And so... Uh, maybe you've got your flesh so dead you don't do this, but there are times I just wish, God, could we please go back to some things the way some things used to be. And I, I don't know about you, but my my natural man and my spiritual man are oftentimes at odds because my spiritual man is usually a little more at peace with what's going on because I know what scripture says, but my natural man is just holding out hope. So I, I say all of that because in light of other things and also in the context of what Jesus has said and some of what we will talk about here tonight, you, you really need to realize as, as surprising as some things may seem to be, it, it really should not be all that surprising. So tonight we have read where Jesus says, take heed, and again Luke says, take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near, go ye after them. As I have said the last two times I've taught on this, there's actually a couple of different Greek words that are translated for the words take heed. And so the, the word take heed here means, metaphorically, it means to see with the mind's eye. It means to have the power of understanding. It means to discern mentally, observe, perceive, discover, understand. It means to turn the thoughts or direct the mind to a thing, to consider, to contemplate, to, to look to. So Jesus is giving the instruction, you, you need to, you need to pay attention to this. You need to set your mind on this. You need to observe. You need to perceive. You need to be able to observe so that you are not deceived. I don't care how solid you think your relationship with God is tonight. Yeah. 
I don't care how well you're doing tonight. I don't care how deep your biblical knowledge is tonight. There is not an individual sitting or standing in this sanctuary that ever reaches a place of being exempt from the danger of deception. Never. We may sit here tonight, the majority of us, having it together. We've got it under, we've, we're solid in the doctrine. We've, we've got a biblical foundation. And I believe the majority of us sitting here tonight have that. But if we're not careful, we can take for granted. I've got it. I'm good. It's all going to be okay. Because I don't know about you, but I, for me, there's some that I consider to have been much greater than I. much more solid than I, that I have watched as they have fallen and been deceived. So he says, be careful that you are not deceived. The word deceived in the Greek, according to Strong's, it means to properly to cause to roam. To roam from safety, truth, or virtue. According to Thayer's, listen, listen to this first definition. It means to cause to stray, to lead astray, and, and, and listen to this last part. To lead aside from the rigid way. Properly to go astray, to wander, to roam about. Metaphorically, it means to lead away from the truth, to lead into error, to deceive. Let's go back to that first one again. It means to lead aside from the rigid way. We are in a day and time in which Christianity promotes a non-rigid way. The scripture tells us broad, if I could say it this way, unrigid is the way that leads to destruction. And there's a lot of people on that road. But straight, narrow, rigid is the way that leads to life everlasting and few. I, I pray that somehow part of what you get tonight, and I wish others were here. Of course, that's always the desire of a pastor. Every elder that leads a daughter work, a Sunday morning ministry, shares the same burden and frustration. <laughs> Wishing others were here. Wishing you could impact more. And so I, I trust that some that aren't here tonight will listen, will watch, will hear. But I, I, I want to, I, I challenge those of us that are here tonight. That we do not allow ourselves to become influenced, persuaded by... 2017 thinking. 
And, 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 and again, as I've said in one way or another in the past, the danger for most of us is not what the media says. The danger for most of us is not what Hollywood is communicating. Most of us have the, the, the necessary discernment. We know how to take heed to that. The danger that you and I face is with Christians. Some, and I am making a distinction here, and I'm not going to interpret it. If you don't get what I'm saying, you don't need to get what I'm saying. Some of you will get it. I'm, I'm making a dif- distinction between Christians and brothers and sisters. <laughs> But our danger, our biggest danger of deception is Christians and brothers and sisters and measuring by the wrong things. Broad is the way with a lot of people walking the road. Broad with many, but narrow with few is the way. That leads to life everlasting. And so the, the warning is, take heed, be careful that you are not deceived or that you are not led astray, that you are not led away from the rigid way. Not the rigid way as you and I define it, but the rigid way as the Word of God defines it. We, we, I like to, I, I say it, I think relatively regularly at some, some way in my preaching refer to the fact that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. One of the most reassuring things for you and I is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The United States of America is not the same yesterday, today, and forever. The world is not the same yesterday, today, and forever. Families are not the same yesterday, today, and forever. Relationships do not stay the same yesterday, today, and forever. For some that care and others of you are blessed to not care, fashion does not stay the same yesterday, today, and forever. It all changes. And so it is extremely reassuring to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I I, I was thinking about it. There's a flip side to that coin as well. Because usually it's Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that means if he was a healer in the past, he's a healer today. If he provided in the past, he provides today, etc. I, I say that, I do that. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. But that's the context that we use that. But there is another side to that. If Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh, then I think we can say God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that we okay with that? Well, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as I read and as I study God's first interactions with man, I find that He's pretty rigid. 
I find that he doesn't leave a whole lot to our personal preferences and desires. I, I, you, some of you, I don't think are really aware of this. There's not just ten commandments that God gave Israel. There's not just ten commandments. There were hundreds of commandments. And the thing about those commandments was they impacted every aspect of life. Most of us don't have a lot of trouble with the Word of God that impacts our religious part of our life. But the Word of God is not simply supposed to impact how we pray, how we praise, how we come to church, what we do at church, what we do in a religious setting. The Word of God is intended to impact every single aspect of our lives. Paul said it like this, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God as your reasonable service. The the message Bible says it's something along these lines, take your everyday life, your eating, drinking, sleeping, going to work life, and all of that is a part of worship and living for God. We have a world that's disillusioned by Christians who limit God's influence to a certain segment, portion of their lives. That's what they often think of as being hypocrisy. And so if God doesn't change, that's not just that He's a healer today, He's a deliverer today. That means if He was particular about some things in the beginning of His Word, He's still particular about things today. He doesn't change. And somehow we listen as we are told, sometimes very plainly, other times in more of an, it's more alluded to that, you know, God doesn't really care all that much about how you do this or how you do that or then that means he must have changed. But if he hasn't changed, then he still cares. And it still matters. Before we, before we really get into what Jesus was saying and several different passages that I think are relevant to what Jesus was saying, I'd like to, some of you already heard some of this before, but I believe that offense is the primary doorway to deception. Not the only, but the primary. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that every person that ends up deceived has an offense, but I'm, most of them do. Most of the time, it's deception that opens the door, or excuse me, it's an offense that opens the door for deception to get in. Here's, here's the problem. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in my spirit, I'm rushing to get through all this, and I think I just need to take my time. If that means we don't finish this tonight, we have to finish next week, because I, I, I hope somebody will hear something tonight that you need to hear. Paul said, and in 
thought I put another translation, but I guess it is the King James. Paul said in Acts 24, 16, Herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense towards God and man. I exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense. The word offense in the Greek means actively, it means having nothing for one to strike against, not causing to stumble, properly a smooth road. Passively, the word means not striking against or stumbling. Metaphorically, not led into sin, blameless. It means without offense, not troubled and distressed by a consciousness of sin. So the, he's, the, the three words, void of offense, actually are one Greek word. And so what Paul is saying, I work to not have anything that you can strike against or anything that would cause me to stumble. Let me say it in, in this slang. I work to not have a button. I strive to not have a button. <laughs> you ever kind of picked around with somebody? What does this button do? You get the wrong button. Woo! So he says, I, I work to have myself to be void of something you can strike against or something that can be touched and cause me to arise. I, I touched on it last week and I, I'm not going to take as much time. But again, you, if, you ha if you don't have an offense, if you're not dealing with offense, you don't misinterpret somebody's look or somebody's action. But if you have an offense, you can misinterpret some things. And so Paul says, I work to not have an offense because he says, I want a, I want a conscience that is void of offense. Again, some of you heard this taught. Bishop taught it years ago. I've taught it sometimes the last couple of years. But the word conscious in the Greek were in the Greek there, the word conscious means co-perception. Co-perception. So when I do not have an offense, the, the co, the partner in my perception is God. It's the word of God. And so everything is filtered through that as the influence of my perception. So as I used last week, great peace have they, or actually I think that was Sunday morning here in Arnold, I'm sorry. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. If I have no offense and my co-perception is the word of God, then I am properly filtering everything going on. The word offense and, and, and what happens with a, excuse me, what happens with offense is my co-perception is interrupted. And something now replaces God. So rather than my perception being influenced by the Spirit of God, the Word of God, it now becomes influenced by something else. And so I don't see things Clearly, I don't interpret things clearly. And that is the opening for me to begin to be deceived because my perceptions are not accurate. Oh, Jesus. 
So not only is there the danger for you and I in making sure that we have a conscience that's void of offense, but it's also, and I'm not talking about judging or being critical of somebody, but using spiritual discernment as best as possible. It's important to realize, to understand that there's some folks that are operating with an offense, and so their perceptions are not accurate. And so if I don't understand that, I kind of take everything they say hook, line, and sinker. What's also very dangerous is the person that God has turned over to a strong delusion. Because of the fact God has turned them over to a strong delusion so that they could believe a lie, they are convinced what they're saying is the truth. And so there's really not a whole lot of point in you trying to argue and debate because if God's turned them over to strong delusion, you can, you can bind the spirit of blindness if it's the devil. You can deal with spiritual blindness if it's the devil, but you can't bind God. You can bind deception when it's deception from the enemy. But when God is the one, and Paul said, if you don't receive a love for the truth, God... Not the devil. God himself will send a strong delusion. You ever ever look at somebody and go, how in the world can they believe that? I'm telling you how right now. They've opened their spirit to offense and they're not seeing clearly. And and tonight my, 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 my burden, my desire is more so trying to help us that we are not influenced by those that are influenced. I don't, I, 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 I don't think I'm the only one. Again, I, I realize I'm the pastor, but I'm still, I got, I'm, just, I'm just as much human as you are. And I find myself at times struggling because of people's choices and decisions, and then beginning to question. I know you and I know this up here, but I don't know that we always live it right here. People's decisions, people's actions are not what we measure by. We measure by the unchanging Word of God. So that's one reason why it's so important for you and I in our individual lives to do our best to allow the Spirit of God to search us and help us and make sure that there is no offense. There's nothing to strike against. There's no stumbling blocks in our lives. Because if those things are allowed to stay, then our perception... How many of you got it? Satellite radio. I got satellite radio. Some of you do. There are spots. There's a couple of spots on Ritchie Highway that if you are in that spot, you will lose the signal. Because trees get between your receiver and the satellite. 
and the connection is broke, when you get an offense, there's now something breaking the connection between the satellite and your receiver. And you no longer are hearing clearly. You're no longer hearing what you are supposed to hear. I, I said it in a conversation to someone today. I, I kind of feel like, I, I'm not making any pronouncements, but I kind of feel like I might, once I get through this, the Lord willing, I, we, we might spend some time on this, but we, we do a lot of things well. But I got to tell you, I am very concerned with how we handle offense. We have, we, I said we, I didn't say you, I said we. We have a tendency when we are offended to talk to everybody but the person we're offended with. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know if getting quiet because I'm on your toes or I'm boring you or what. And, and I don't, to get this, hear me, I don't necessarily mean gossip. I don't necessarily mean gossip. Sometimes it's gossip, but I mean, we, we go to everybody else and talk about our problem to get help besides the person. If I'm struggling with something that Nandy's done and I'm offended, it don't matter how much I talk to Brother Spriggs and try to get through it. If I don't forgive, if I don't let go, If you, Jesus said, if you, if you, if you come to the altar, if you bring your gift to the altar, what does he say? He says, if who? If who has an offense? Who? Some of you need to read your Bible because I'm getting two answers and about half of you are wrong. If your brother has an offense, if your brother has an offense, leave your gift at the altar and go to your brother. Did you notice what he didn't? Some of you, we all think he should have said what some of you said. If you go to the altar and you have an offense... With your brother, leave your gift. But that's not what he said. If you go to the altar and you know your brother has a problem, you go to your brother. Could it be that he says that rather than the other because the assumption is you will have already properly dealt with your offense. Oh, hallelujah. So, the chances are your brother may not be dealing with his offense, but you go if you know. We we don't even do the first one well. We don't do the first one well. I have an offense, so I'm coming to you. We don't even do much less. Much less. Hey, I, I, my understanding, you got a problem with me. Come on. 
No, that's what we do. You know what, man? I, I think Brother Spriggs has a problem with me. He really needs to work through that. Hey, Brother Boyer, you know, when you're praying, you might want to pray for Brother Spriggs because I think he's really struggling with me. Or, or, or here's what we do. Probably this one as much. So-and-so's got a problem with me. They hadn't come to me yet. They got an issue with me, but they haven't asked to talk. They haven't tried to come to me and talk to me about it. So leave your gift and go to them. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Before I choke. (laughs) Mm. Wow. Amazing how many times things go much differently than you anticipate. I'm sorry, folks, but this 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 thing about forgiveness and dealing with offenses and it, this is not an extracurricular activity. There's some things that you know what they they may not maybe they don't matter quite. Maybe you can maybe you don't necessarily have to deal with them. Maybe maybe they're not whatever. But then there's some things that you cannot afford to let them go. Oh, my. And it's fun when it's the devil. It's real fun when it's the devil because, whoo, we know how to deal with that one. It's not too fun when you bump in flesh. Oh. Because I realize I'm not talking to anyone here tonight that has issues with somebody. I know that. I'm just trying to help you about all the other folks. Oh, Jesus. We, we, I, you, you, you know that this, that, that, that book called the Bible is not a menu. It's not a menu. (laughs) It's not your right to search through and decide, yep, I like that. Nah, I don't want that. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, have mercy. I, I I may move on here in a moment. I don't know. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us evil. Forgive, forgive us. Forgive us as. Oh. Wait a minute. Wait, what, what? Forgive us as. That means while, right? Forgive us as we forgive those 
who have trespassed against us. So could it be, if I'm standing unmoving, forgiving those who have offended me, that God is unmoving, forgiving me? Oh, hallelujah. Man. I know I know I've done gone in left field and I ain't talking to a soul in this place tonight. I know. Forgive us as 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 I am forgiving those that have trespassed against me, God. I'm also trusting you to forgive me. But I understand that I've got to be forgiving for you to be forgiving. Brother Wright, I don't know one thing I'm offended about. I don't know anybody I'm offended with. No, you just tell the same story about the same person to anybody that'll listen. You repeat the same stories over and over that happened 5, 10, 15 decades ago. But no, you're, there's nothing. I guess tonight is more take heed that you be not offended than it is take heed that you be not deceived. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We got we we got folks sitting here tonight that you you do everything you can to avoid somebody in this place. You 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 scope out where they are and how do I how do I get there that aisle I'm going this aisle. They're standing back there I'm ready to go. But I don't want to leave and have to confront them, so I'll just wait till they go. <laughs> oh Lord. I know not I'm not talking to everybody, but I'm talking to some folks. Or hopefully the Lord is. Let me refer hopefully. It, it, it's not possible. It's not. Don't let me, let me clarify. It's it's not possible for every person to be best buddies with everybody here. That's I mean, that's not possible. I mean, we're we're only a couple hundred people here tonight. That but that's not possible. I'm not I'm not saying you got to be bosom buddies with there, but there should not be something in me that when I see you as my brother or my sister. I feel a desire to avoid you. Oh, Jesus, maybe I will move on. Jeremiah chapter, so let's, let's go back to what I thought we came for tonight. Take heed that you... Be not deceived. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 28, 29, excuse me, verse 8. 
For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Did you hear that? Don't let your prophets that are where? Hello? In the midst. He's not talking about just outside voices. Because again, that's not where we have the most trouble of being deceived by. It's those that may be amongst us. And so he says, let not your prophets be, that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. The Amplified says it this way. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your false prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you. Pay no attention and attach no significance to your dreams which you dream or to theirs. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Do do you hear what the prophet is saying? They prophesy in my name. But God says, I didn't send them. Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils. We did many wonderful things in your name. And he will reply to those people and say, I never knew you. The Message Bible says this, says it this way. Yes, believe it or not, this is the message from God of the angel armies, Israel's God. Don't let those so-called preachers and know-it-alls who are all over the place there take you in with their lies. Don't pay any attention to the fantasies they keep coming up with to please you. They're a bunch of Liars preaching lies and claiming I sent them. I never sent them. Believe me, God's decree. I know that's pretty strong language, but I, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just reading that. Just because somebody professes they're coming in my name and they're speaking for me, he's saying, be careful that you're not deceived because just because they say that doesn't mean that's the case. This is really just an insert here. This is not necessarily connected, but I just... That phrase, notice he said, Neither hearken, the King James says it this way, Neither hearken to your dreams which you caused to be dreamed. You better be careful when your dreams are what you want. Let me say it this way. You better be careful when a word from God is what you want. We've got a lot of disillusioned, struggling people because they got words from God that haven't come to pass. There's folks, probably not any here tonight, but there's there's folks that that God spoke to them who they were going to marry. And that person's now married to someone else. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not making light because there's people that are very sincere. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, but I, I'm telling you, I do believe. I, I don't know why, but that just caught my attention. <laughs> be heart, 
neither hearken to your dreams which you caused. Which you caused to be dreamed. I, 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 I dream every night, just about every night. I, I, literally, I think I dream every night. You've heard me say it before. If God wants to speak to me in a dream, he's got a problem. Because I dream every night and it's usually not God. I can usually pinpoint different things that happen that, that I find in the dream. Something I did the day before. Something I was involved in. Whatever. I just want to challenge somebody tonight. Be careful that you don't create your own word from God. Do I believe God speaks to us? Absolutely. Do I believe we get word, a rhema from God? Absolutely. 100% I believe that. But I also have seen it happen where we come up with some stuff that we want to put a thus saith the Lord on it. And unfortunately it wasn't thus saith the Lord. He says, neither hearken to your dreams, which he calls to be dreamed. Jameson Fawcett and Brown says this, the Latin adage saith, the people wish to be deceived. The people wish to be deceived. <laughs> so let them be deceived. Not mere, not mere cred, credulity misleads men, but though, but their own perverse love of darkness rather than light. It was not priests who originated priestcraft, but the people's own morbid appetite to be deceived. For example, Aaron in the golden calf. Aaron shouldn't have done what he done, what he did, but it was in response to the desire, to the cry of the people. And so we've got pulpits today that want to please the desire of the people rather than please the God that called them. And it's a dangerous thing when you say something is in God's name and God didn't speak. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse number 24. Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the lamb that is not cleansed nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets. In the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey, they have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Who is it that has devoured souls? Who is it that's taken the treasure and the precious, precious things? Who is it that has made the widows here? Who is it? He says it's the prophets her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things they have put it they have put no difference between the holy and profane neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my sabbaths and i am profaned among them he says they have not made a distinction between what is holy what is unholy they haven't put a distinction between what is right and what is wrong they're responding to the desire of the people but the challenge is we've been given the warning don't be deceived. 
just because it sounds good, just because it is appealing to the flesh and the desires. I've said it already. I think this passage confirms what I'm saying. Our danger is not the ungodly. Our danger is not the heathen. It's not the reprobate that's the one we're in danger of being deceived by. The ones that we are in danger of being deceived by are those that may be the religious. Please, I'm not here tonight trying to be judgmental of anybody. I'm not calling names. I'm not calling any names here tonight. I'm not calling it out any groups of people. I will skip for the sake of time some of the commentary. Second Corinthians 11 verse number 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if, this, if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. It is no great thing if his, Satan's, ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. I'm just trying to keep things open. Message Bible says it this way. I'm just trying to keep things open and honest between us. I'm not changing my position on this. I die before taking your money. I'm giving nobody grounds for lumping me in with these money-grabbing preachers vaunting themselves as something special. Paul's saying, I, I, I'm get, notice something here. I'm not trying to do what everybody else is doing. I'm trying to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. Not for what I can get, not for gain. Continuing in the Message Bible, they're a sorry bunch, pseudo-apostles, lying preachers, crooked workers, Posing as Christ's agents, but sham to the core. And no wonder, Satan does it all the time, dressing up as a beautiful angel of light. So it shouldn't surprise us when his servants masquerade as servants of God. But they're not getting by with anything. They'll pay for it in the end. Oh, Jesus. If there was ever a time in which we are exposed to what Paul was saying, it's today. Because today, more than ever, we are exposed, we have the opportunity, whether it's through books or through media, whatever sources it may be, we are exposed more than ever before. It shouldn't surprise us, he says, when... His servants masquerade as servants of God. Take heed that you don't be deceived. Be careful that you don't buy into everything just because it has a certain label on it. 
That just because it calls itself Christian does, does not make it Christian. Just because it calls itself godly does not make it godly. Ephesians 4 verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We usually stop there with the, the fivefold ministry being so that you and I can develop in our ministry. But that's not all that's said in this context. He says, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse number 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, where cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive the amplified. So then we may no longer be children tossed like ships to and fro between chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine. The prey of the cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men, gamblers engaged in every shifting form of trickery and inventing errors to mislead. Lastly, the living Bible, verse 14, we will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. My four-year-old nephew walks into my house. His dad is a Redskins fan. I am a Cowboys fan. My son is a Patriots fan. My eldest son. If you say the right things, if you say it the right way, you can get him to become the fan you want him to be. Timothy is the one that at this point has had the most success. I've tried to get him to claim the Cowboys over the Redskins. and It hasn't quite worked, but Timothy has had some success in talking Noah into being a Patriots fan. He walked into our house yesterday morning and Timothy said to him, Noah, who won the Super Bowl? And just like that, he responds and says, Tom Brady. He happened to have a shirt on. It was just one of those typical kind of kid shirts that kind of looks like an athletic shirt. It had the number 12 on it. And Timothy was telling him how much. And it was red and blue. And so Timothy's putting it in his head. You got Tom Brady's number on. It's Tom Brady's color. Tom Brady this. Tom Brady that. And he is a Patriots fan. But it would not surprise me in the least if when he walks into his house... And after just a few moments of his dad's influence, he is now a Redskins fan. Because it is acceptable, it is expected that as a child you will be tossed to and fro. That people's opinions can influence you 
to change. And so Paul says, you've got to reach the point that you are not tossed to and fro by every new idea that comes down the pike, by every new doctrine that pops up in a book or on the internet or on television, that you have the ability that in the midst of all of those blowing winds of doctrine, that you have an anchor that keeps you held steadfast, unmovable, that your mind is not changed by every new thought and idea, that your spirit does not fluctuate with every new ideology that comes your way, but you have the ability to discern what you hear, and not based on who says it, or personality, or status, but you can listen to the message, and then in your spirit, with the Word of God, you can determine, no, that's going to lead me away from the rigid way. It's going to lead me astray from God's way, and so I don't want to be deceived. Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together. And, and th this passage here really ties in as much as anything with what I was saying in the beginning, that there's, there should be no surprises to us because of what the Word of God tells us and lets us know in advance is going to come. He says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him, that you be not soon shaken in mind. Oh God, if we could ever win the battle of our minds. If we could ever win the battle of our minds, you get in to a red-hot apostolic service on a Sunday night and you are ready, as some would say, to charge hell with a water pistol. Bring it on. Let's go. Let's do it. You get up on Monday morning and your mind starts working and the next thing you know, you're doubting, you're questioning, is there a God? Is this all real? All in the mind. He says that you be not soon shaken. In mind, or troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letters from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come. What? Is it too small for you to read? A falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. I, I meant to say this earlier. I don't think the big challenge that you and I have today is being deceived by somebody that comes claiming to be Christ. That's not really our challenge today. Paul speaking in a time where they're still questioning and doubting over whether Jesus was the Messiah. And so he's saying there's going to be come that there's going to be those that come and profess they are. If somebody walked in the back door tonight and stood there and told us they were Christ, they were Jesus. All we do is look around for Brother Spriggs and Brother Truss and make sure they got everything under control. Because that person probably is going to need some attention. So our, our challenge, 2017, our challenge is not somebody claiming to be Christ, but our challenge is 2017 is those that claim to be sent by Christ 
are those who come representing Christ. That's where our challenge of deception is. The Amplified says it this way, a couple of more and I'm almost done. But relative to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and our gathering together to meet him, we beg you, brethren, not to allow your minds to be quickly unsettled or disturbed or kept excited or alarmed, whether it be by some pretended revelation of the Spirit or by word or by letter alleged to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has already arrived and is here. Let no, man, let no one deceive or beguile you in any way, for that day will not come except the apostasy comes first, unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come, and the man of lawlessness, sin, is revealed, who is the son of doom, of perdition. Adam Clark says this, We have the original word in our word apostasy, and by this term we understand a dereliction of the essential principles of religious truth, either a total abandonment of Christianity itself or such a corruption of its doctrines as renders the whole system completely inefficient to salvation. So let's take this out. Let's pull this off. Let's get rid of that. And let's make some things a little more palatable, a little more appealing. And by the time we get through doing that, we now have something that is inefficient to produce salvation. But Paul warns us, this is what's coming. This is what's going to happen. And so we see those that, as Paul said, were among us, but have gone out from us. He said they went out from us because they weren't of us. If they had been of us, they would not have gone out from us. Why is it? Why is it? And if maybe if I'm the only one here tonight that battles with this, then pray for me. But why is it that when somebody goes out from us, rather than just simply accepting what Paul says that, well, they were not of us, our reaction is we start questioning us. Oh, I guess I'm not alone. They go out from us and we start questioning our doctrine. We start questioning our beliefs. We start wondering if maybe we've got it wrong because they went out from us. And Paul said they went out from us for one simple fact. They weren't of us. So if they go out from us, the only thing that is proven is they weren't of us. Them going out from us is not proof of what we are not. Hallelujah. Second Peter 2, for sake of time, the Message Bible. But there were also, verse 1, there were also lying prophets among the people then, just as there will be lying religious teachers among you. They'll smuggle in destructive divisions pitting you against each other, biting the hand of the one who gave them a chance to have their lives back. They put themselves on a fast downhill side to destruction. But now before they recruit a crowd of mixed up followers who can't tell right from wrong, they give the way of truth a bad name. Hmm. Listen to what the Living Bible says. 
But these were false prophets too in those days, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly tell their lies about God, turning against even their master who bought them. But theirs will be a swift and terrible end. Many will follow their evil teaching that there is nothing wrong with sexual sin. And because of them, Christ and his way will be scoffed at. These teachers in their greed will tell you anything to get hold of your money. I'm I'm reading. Don't throw rocks. Don't throw eggs. These teachers in their greed will tell you anything to get a hold of your money. Send your seed offering and God will give it all back a hundredfold. Let me tell you something. I've given a bunch of offerings that I haven't gotten back a hundredfold what I gave cash wise. I've never given an offering that God hasn't blessed me for it. But I don't always get, I don't always give a hundred and get a thousand back. But God condemned them long ago and their destruction is on the way. Last verse. Last verse. I'm done. First John 4, 1 John 4.1 Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. The Message Bible says it this way. My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. We prophesied, we did miracles, we did many wonderful things in your name. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. If I could say it in the context of this verse, I never sent you. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirit. I don't try the spirits based on my opinion. I don't try the spirit based on my preferences. I don't try the spirit based on what I like or dislike. I try the spirit with the measurement of the word of God. Not how does it match up with society, not how does it match up with popular concepts and ideology, but how does it match the word of God. You stand, please. There are many other passages, many other things in the scripture, many other warnings in addition to the ones I've read to you tonight, where it's foretold of those that would come with deception. It's foretold that these things were going to happen. In addition to just Jesus simply saying to his followers, take heed that you don't be deceived. We find Old Testament warnings. We find New Testament warnings. And I think we are living the fulfillment of that today. 
Would you join me in closing tonight? And would you ask the Lord to help you? That the warning of not being deceived, that he would help you to not be deceived. Father, I pray tonight that you would help every one of us. God, I pray tonight for those of us that may be carrying offenses. And so therefore our perception is inaccurate. We're not able to see clearly, think clearly, that you would help us find a place of dealing with those offenses that we might be able to have our perceptions renewed with you as the partner in our perception. That we would not have a door that is open, an open doorway to being deceived, but we would close that door. I pray tonight, God, for every individual in this place. I pray tonight for every individual that's a part of this church. That by your grace, God, you would help us. You have warned us. You warned us many different ways, many different times in your word about the danger of being deceived. And so I pray tonight that you would help us. God, I believe if there's ever been a day in which we are bombarded in so many ways by so many different ideas and concepts that many say are from your word, but as we truly measure them by your word, we find out that they don't fit what your word says. And so I'm asking you, Father, that you would help us tonight You said that we are to try the spirits. I pray, God, that you would give each one of us the spiritual discernment that we need. God, help us to have the discernment that we need to be able to recognize when we are in danger of being deceived, that we might recognize the deception before we walk down the wrong path. Help us tonight. Open our eyes, open our understanding, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Dismissed in Jesus' name.